0: and welcome back i feel like if i'm gonna say howdy it has to be a real like yeehaw. howdy i like that Howdy-y. maybe we should just crop that first bit out and yeah. go straight with a like yee <laughs> but then we are not in the american west i said that really weirdly in the in the outback is that that's Wild australia west? i'm getting my yes yes i'm getting lots it of could Be in the in outback future. if you wanted i am not on horseback We'll say that. I'm okay, not rounding up cows. So that feels unsuitable. Yet here we are on a rainy morning in England <laughs> saying howdy. Yes. I think that's probably going to be the end of our creative openings. Yeah, we've done podcast. we've done two creative openings. <laughs> one neither be, of them went down well. One will be customer service and the other one is confused cowboy. And then... What other genres can we cover? Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a dinosaur on your windowsill. So I thought of dinosaurs, but I don't know how... Just kind of roaring. and the girls greet each other. Yes, I think this might have to be workshopped another time. Yeah, fair enough. Before the whole episode just becomes us being like, so how do we say hello in multiple different <laughs> ways? Um, hello and welcome back to Down to a Fine Art. Woo! We are... I always feel like I need to set the scene. Do you, know I mean? you really do, don't you? This happens quite a lot. Yeah. I always enjoy it. I often think to myself before we start, I'm like, now, you don't need to describe the setting this time. <laughs> and then I just don't feel like I'm ready until I have described the scene. <laughs> I mean, please go for I it. I don't know why. Paint us a lovely please picture. Us the context. So it's a, a very miserly morning in Cornwall. Aww. It's quite calm. I don't know how we're feeling. I'm feeling kind of like my head's not quite clicked in yet things I'm saying are just not quite making sense to me but I'm hoping that will resolve itself <laughs> as we go along. And you're tired. Yeah mm. I think I slept very well Oh yeah we've been talking about how we both didn't have sleep walked. Slep- <laughs> I don't know how to grammar that sleepwalked slept no. walked slept walked no. We both sleepwalked last night which was fun sleep we were just having our, our little middle of the night commune <laughs> I was running away from spiders in my dreams apparently and then i turned the light on and woke myself off and i was like jesus what am i doing here and izzy was just i was going for a little mooch just walking about the place just doing what you need to do having a, a little kind of walk about you know yeah seeing what's what <laughs> seeing the sights in the middle of the night oh i can't hear that anyways um so today's episode Yeah. let's gloss over that we are going to be talking about well, initially it was our favourite and least favourite exhibitions, but then we've mainly decided we're going to focus on favourite exhibitions Mm-mm. because we realised that least favourite exhibitions, we either... Well, A, I don't want to be throwing shade at anyone, either accidentally or on purpose. I don't know how that would be accidentally. It would be quite direct. <laughs> and B, I also don't really remember yeah, like any exhibitions I've been to that I actively really... Dis- disliked i think that's kind of the nature of it is that you remember the ones that are really good or like Mm. things that had a lasting impact on you and i think unless an exhibition was like memorably bad like something caught fire or like (laughs) something was smashed in front of you like i just don't think you really remember it in the same way yeah i think the worst exhibitions i've been to have probably just been like the least memorable yeah and that means i don't remember them yeah i cannot recall i mean maybe one will come up as we're talking but I don't think it will. I have nothing to mind currently. No, I don't either. But yeah, maybe if something comes out, we can include worst exhibitions. Yeah. But but also, I'm happy to just put positivity out into the world. Aw, that's sweet. Let's do positivity then. Woo. Who would like to go first? Very formal, suddenly. that was very formal. I'm happy to go first if you need me go to. Go for it. So Izzy, what's your, is this your favourite exhibition you've ever been to? Or is it just... Do you have a collection? A few? I mean, I have a couple that I can mm. sort of mention, but, like, I do have one specific one. Okay. That, like, is my favourite. okay, let's do them all. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, what, what shall I start with? Maybe one, one of the lesser ones, okay. or? Okay, I was going to say the opposite, but let's do that. <laughs> okay. Let's work our way up. Okay. Well, last week I went back home, which was quite nice. Hmm. Um, um, me and my mum went to London on one of the days because oh, it was you and your mum, yeah, oh cute. It was very nice. We well, I really wanted to go to a specific exhibition at the Barbican because mm-hmm. um, I'd come across it, I think on TikTok oh, or that something. That's the one you sent me. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it was really cool. So it's called Our Time on Earth. Oh, um, sad. Or I, didn't, I, I didn't think go. it's still on at the moment. I don't know if it will be by the time. Yeah. Sure. I think it's very near the end, though, basically. Okay. Um, which is why I, I took that opportunity. Yeah. But yes, it's called Our Time on Earth, and it's kind of um y art vibes, oh. which already is very pleasant I can say right now this may be a theme of this episode sciencey art vibes yeah yeah. we're a bit too predictable aren't we we need (laughs) someone else on (laughs) do you you ever sorry a bit of a tangent but do you ever think our podcast would be better if like we were maybe slightly different people in terms of what we do (laughs) we weren't just the same person (laughs) both like ah yes we like we like sciencey art um I mean that's that you don't have to answer that. More a question for the listener. They're like, yeah, get one of them off, <laughs> chuck one of them off. I mean that's why we have guests occasionally, I suppose. Yeah, that's true actually. Anyway, we need I'm a here guest with our... some good differing opinions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm here for our sciencey yeah, art vibes though. Yeah, to be fair, it was a really cool exhibition. Like, it's not my favorite, and I think I think essentially the reason it's not my favorite is that it was quite expensive to get into. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a ticket is eighteen pounds. <sighs> Um, which is quite a lot for an exhibition hmm. and actually it wasn't a very big exhibition either ah. Um, which was quite interesting mm-hmm. so because I'm under 25 I can get like a membership I can join like young Barbican uh, for £5 pounds and then I like, get free entry class. that's just a rip off of Tate Collective it absolutely is although um, they could have come first I haven't done my research there yeah maybe let's <laughs> not throw those accusations around <laughs> uh, but yeah so I did that so my ticket was £5 pounds, but obviously my mum paid like £18 pounds or whatever so it was um, which is quite a lot of money yeah so that was like maybe the first thing that was like, i can understand charging entry but 18 pounds for one ticket to quite a small exhibition was maybe a little bit like uh, It's a lot. okay yeah this i kind of want this to be really good now yeah um, yeah it's really um heightening your expectations yeah exactly yeah and don't get me wrong it was a great exhibition which is obviously why i'm talking about it but 18 pounds was maybe setting my expectations a little too high i Mm. think but either way so it's it's called our time on earth like i said and that kind of sets the scene a little bit like it's very much about our impact on earth so it had i kind of don't know how much detail to go into because i don't want to give spoilers if people are going to go see it well we can say now that if you're going to go and see it and you don't want spoilers maybe come back and listen to this once you've seen the exhibition true i like that especially if it's not on for that much longer yeah i don't think it is a little you know
1: that's true that's at the
0: moment yeah but yes yeah, so like I won't go into like loads of detail but essentially it kind of had like multiple rooms that you sort of walked through mm. um and each room kind of had a different focus um which I really enjoyed I thought that was a really interesting way of doing things so it kind of started off more artsy I'd say and mm. then as it went on it got more sciencey. Oh, sounds so cool which is quite cool however it did then mean that you sort of left the exhibition being a bit like huh like I kind of don't feel like I've seen much art oh okay like I'd say if anything it was I don't know very weird but mm. um so like in the first I thought the first room was probably the most successful because it's like a darkened room mm. and it had like a massive kind of tall screen with like um like a really high definition like animation i think of like this tree that was kind of like it, you were al- it was almost like spinning in front of you not like woo <laughs> but like a it was just kind of slowly moving Yeah, um, slowly rotating yeah not on a fairground ride right? exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i'm going for um, and it was really cool and actually i have pictures so maybe we could put those on the instagram as oh, well so you guys idea. can actually kind of visualize it a bit more yes cuz um, i'm i'm visualizing this because you put one picture on yes. in your instagram story and that's basically what i'm picturing the whole exhibition no, from like i have to say it does change quite a lot okay, from okay okay um which again was maybe something that i would potentially argue made it slightly less successful is that the it kind changed. of the vibe really changed oh. throughout it so i think like if you're really into the thing at the beginning maybe you'd end up leaving feeling slightly disappointed but also if you were more into the stuff that came further on then i think you'd leave like on an absolute high <sighs> yeah. um so it's kind of an odd an odd one like yeah. that but yeah so it had this really cool like tree animation of like i think it was like all the nutrients in the water almost like moving up inside the tree and like showing Ooh. like what i don't know it was really cool that's very cool um and then each room would have like kind of a quote, a title, Mm -hmm. like a bit of information, and then have another panel which had like obviously all the credits to the artists who had made that specific work, or the people that had collaborated on it. So that was kind of the layout for each room. It would have like the thing, a quote, a piece of text, and then credits to the artists Mm -hmm. and scientists. Um, And I quite liked that actually, like it was nice that each room had its own like almost like encapsulated thing. Yeah. You could be like, okay, so this is the context for this room. And that's a nice format. It was quite pleasant, actually. And mm. I think it worked really well because there was one room kind of moving on from that a little bit that was obviously very specifically about um, indigenous cultures mm. and their relationship with the earth. Because obviously, I can't remember the exact statistics, but I think it's like indigenous cultures protects. I think it's something like 80% of diversity or something. Uh-huh. Like, essentially, they're doing like... And a disproportionate <laughs> amount of work. Yeah. Like and it was really nice to have a room dedicated to that. Yeah. And it had like these beautiful banners that had like a lot of very powerful quotes, like some beautiful artwork on it from like, you know, Native Americans and that. Mm. And it was kind of nice that that was almost like localized to a room because I felt like it got each topic got its focus. Yeah. And then you could move on to another topic and you felt like that was equally in focus. Like it didn't feel mm. It wasn't like one specific element to climate breakdown was being disregarded. Like, I yeah. felt like each thing had its own space to kind of be explored a bit, which I really mm. liked. So I'd say that was quite an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, that's very cool. But yeah, either way, like, do you want to think what some of the other rooms were? How many rooms did you say there were? had a guess, I'd say 10, oh, maybe? Okay. That's a good number, I suppose. Yeah, like, a kind of... A lot of rooms would just have, like, one thing in it. Oh, I see. Um, and then there was one kind of very large room that had, like, multiple... It's kind of, like, broken up a little bit into compartments, mm. maybe. Hmm. But that was quite an interesting exhibition overall. Like, I, I did, overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really wish I could have gone... It sounds really cool. It is quite cool. I want to see it. I wish there was a way that they could put exhibitions, like, online afterwards. Like, yeah. document it. I mean, I know sometimes people do, but... It's not, not common. Yeah. No, it's not, is it? But yeah, that sounds like a really good way of having things, having a particular focus for each room. I thought that was I cool. wonder how they curated each, the order that it went in, like you said. That's something I'd like to know, actually, because I think it started off very, like I said, it was quite an artsy start, I think. Mm. And the second room, which was absolutely incredible, was like this massive, like, table And all the chairs were like huge logs and like all the like the plates and the cutlery were all like all different and the cutlery wasn't cutlery like it i think hang on i've got a picture on my phone that i can like so i can actually describe like a specific one i was literally about to say like i know you said you had pictures you could put on instagram but do you have lots of pictures (laughs) that i can see specifically so like it would have like a place setting so it would have oh. a plate with a design on it, and then it would have utensils, that's but the utensils so cool. aren't, like, traditional. So, like, one of them was, like, a stick with a feather, like, taped to the top. Had, like, random bits of... It almost looked like found stuff. That's so stuff. cool, yeah. um, There was another one that was, like, a stick with a piece of, like, almost like a flint spearhead attached to it. I Yeah, that's kind of nice, because it's really imaginative. Or, like, it's... It's cool. It's... it's unusual to us and the way that we have cutlery yeah. and like a knife fork spoon sense and so it's kind of it really sparks your imagination as to like oh like what kind of food would I be eating that I'd need like a feather yeah. on a stick or like yeah the one it we was so flim- creative it's like a spear like I don't know if that's come from somewhere like I don't know if those are mm. things that are used in or were used at one point in other I don't know like civilizations who knows where yeah. those have come from but yeah it's really it yeah, was a really interesting really kind of room like I really liked that room so it kind of started off quite like artsy yeah I'd say um and then potentially like as it went on there was like a bit of fashion there was more like scientific kind of based things to do with like the environment then there was like a whole room that was to do with materials like what we used to build or make things with so obviously that tied into the fashion one because they were looking at like Leather made from mushrooms, um, oh. dye taken from. Um, oh, what was the dye taken from? Some... I, li- I can't remember. I think it was some kind of like microorganism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite an interesting thing. Yeah. And then it looked at like architecture. So, you know, projects that explore what happens when like there's big floods or something. Oh. Um, replacing concrete with other materials that are like more sustainable and eco friendly. This is um, very cool. It kind of evolved on, like, each room had its own sort of focus, which I I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it was a vibe overall. I liked it. Yeah, that's a 10 out of 10 exhibition. I'm excited to hear what your favourite exhibition was, if that wasn't it, because that does sound... I feel like London exhibitions just do things often so much better. Yes. (laughs) Or, like, yeah. They're less traditional, I think. Like, I think they have the money and the footfall to do, like, weird stuff. But they can really commit to it as well. It's not just, like, a little how do i phrase this without being insulting to anyone (laughs) like local exhibitions are great but they tend to be just one room of a few even if it's not just local artists like even if you've got kind of national or international artists in like it still tends to be you can't commit in quite the same way you have to focus really in on like either one big piece or like there's a few smaller pieces Mm -hmm. whereas like when you have the room and the money and you know the resources etc to really do such an in-depth exploration into a topic it's I don't know it just kind of like wipes the floor it's like oh, it's always going to be so good if yeah. you're if you know that you're interested in the same kind of area that the exhibition is looking at yeah. you're like this is even if if you look at this in the way that i think about this that's going to be great and if you look at it in a different way like it's still going to kind of expand my thinking in a field that i'm interested in like it's just yeah. yeah it really i think it's one of those things that if you go to like yeah predominantly exhibitions in london i'd say like obviously you know happens other but london is a good example like the ones like that where they've got the money, the resources, the footfall, the like the commitment, like the space, all of that. Mm. I think it's one of those things that like is a great reminder of how powerful art can be. Like, yeah, you know, if you go into the right exhibition, it's just mind blowing. Like, yeah, it really is like a next level experience. <laughs> I guess it's that thing of it can become like immersive when it's big enough. Yeah, exactly. Whereas often, yeah, smaller ones, you're like, oh, well, that's made me have some interesting thoughts, but it's quite like. St- uh, mm, I was gonna say like surface level, but that's that's not quite true. But it's quite like, huh? Nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let me think about. I always that. think smaller exhibitions. Like, wow. You kind of like you go into it and you sort of get out of it the effort you put in. Yes. If that makes sense, like if you go in and you're like, right, I'm gonna look at everything in detail. I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna ask questions. Like you're gonna get a lot out of it. Mm, that's very. Whereas I think with a lot of the bigger exhibitions. You could go in there and be like, I literally just want to look around, but you'd still almost like have this experience like forced onto yeah. you. I think you'd really come That's out so of it true. and be like, oh my goodness, like I experienced something even though I didn't put the effort in. Mm, I, I don't do know. That. That's I'm really not sure on that point. take. No, no, no. I really like that. And that is very true because I think, yeah, you can get a lot out of small exhibitions, but you're right. You have to really commit and really try and yeah. go for it and read everything, think about everything. Yeah. Pause in front of every artwork and really be like, "Huh, how is this making me feel? Sort of thing. Rather than it being pushed on you because you're entering a space that's like dark and there's sounds and there's moving image. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's the importance of like immersive art or like interactive art is that it, it engages you in a different way. Yeah. Usually like, you know, you might not even want to be engaged, but I think it does a better job of pulling you in anyway. And I think stuff like that it's got layers to it and just in terms of like accessibility in terms of it's quite uh, because it's quite like there's a lot of sensory stimulation like kids for example can go in and like enjoy it for a sort of on a very yeah like on a very sensory level like oh there's lots of fun moving things and like oh there's a tree oh let's learn about a tree like in a very almost educational way I suppose whereas then there's levels to it of people who want to kind of stop and think about it a bit more philosophically i don't know what the right word is yeah like yeah they can also engage on it on that level which i think is nice and you get a lot at big attractions such as the eden project that one's just very fresh on my mind where yeah you might have like families going in especially i guess because it's the summer holidays at the moment and like the tate has got the same thing like that's i think a really big difference again of the type of crowds that those places will Mm. pull whereas like a yeah again like a small independent art room exhibition probably would not get families yeah at least not staying for a long time yeah i think that's it I and mean, honestly you're exactly right because when i went through like the our time on earth exhibition as i kind of started the exhibition it was obviously me and my mum together there was one gentleman who was by himself and like he was very, he was very much taking his time in each room. Like he'd read literally everything. He'd spend considerable time just standing and watching, and looking. Oh, I respect that. And then on the other hand, there was someone who we did get into a bit of an argument with them. Um, oh no! I want to hear the story. There was a woman who I believe was a grandma mm. and a child who was maybe I just don't know children's ages. Um, <laughs> Could have been anywhere from about five to thirteen. <laughs> Genuinely, yes. (laughs) I don't know what a five-year-old looks like. Yeah. The child was nine, I'm going to say. (laughs) You literally just split the difference there. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take an average of five (laughs) and 13. Well, I'm going to say that this child was nine years old. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. But it was, like, that dynamic was interesting as well. Because, I mean, like I said, me, who was obviously there for art, because I do art, Mm. there was kind of an older gentleman who's very much by himself taking his time doing all the reading then there was a grandma and her kid like who were kind of a lot more interested in the interactivity of it yeah um which is when we had the argument because they started touching things that clearly said do not touch Uh, so the table that i was talking about uh, the child immediately ran over and sat down on one of the chairs and started like moving the cutlery Oh, I see. which okay but it literally says on the floor like do not touch yeah let alone sit and like move stuff and like fair enough she didn't notice so we kind of like you know didn't say anything Mm. um but then mum kind of looked at the floor and was like it very clearly says like don't do that Mm. obviously the girl was kind of the girl sitting on a chair that was quite intricately designed yeah and it just looked quite fragile and like it was just a bit nerve-wracking yeah so my mum kind of said she was like oh just so you know it does say that like you can't touch the artwork and this woman became quite like not aggressive in the traditional sense but like Mm. aggressive in her belief that they should be able to touch it oh i see um and we kind of had like this weird it wasn't really an argument but like she kind of just wouldn't leave the subject alone as we were trying to walk off like Mm. she kind of kept talking to us and we were like like, can you just stop it's weird that there was no like invigilator or anyone well literally a minute later someone came in so i think maybe they were either switching or like they just had to quickly pop out or something but essentially this woman was like one of the things that stuck in my head that she said which i found quite interesting in relation to like demographics is the fact that she sort of said like well it's all about respecting the artwork and interactivity is a part of the artwork or like you know it's all about respecting the art Mm. and like as long as you're respecting it it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and I kind of said I was like well if you want to respect the artwork don't touch it like the artist has requested Mm. and it was an interesting thing of like for me that obviously made sense like if the artist doesn't want it touched you do not touch it that's Mm. not respectful Mm -hmm. however for her she was of the view of like well my kid sorry the grandkid I'm assuming Mm. um was going to enjoy it and take more from it by the touching the sitting the oh. interacting with it and she was of the argument of that as long as it's respectful touching it doesn't matter which i still disagree with but it yeah. made me quite angry but also i could understand that as a child in an art exhibition that's the part you enjoy you enjoy the bit that's like ex. Experiential, like you yeah. want to touch and you want to like the sound and the light and the oh my god it's moving and yeah. like oh that's a really tricky one. Well, I do agree, I think, especially if it's something that's very fragile. Yeah. And explicitly said doesn't touch please don't touch, like, yeah. It and it very but... clearly been laid out in a very particular way as well. Like yeah. it wasn't just a replication at each setting. Mm. Each setting was unique. Mm. It was very clear that a lot of attention and time would be put into the layout of it. And f- yeah, it just, it was one of those things that really made me quite angry, but I was like, I, I'm i clearly not going to start having an argument with you, yeah. but she really wanted to argue, yeah. and it was just a very odd interaction. Yeah, it wasn't like you and your mum were trying to kind of become the gallery attendants, like, it was just a sort of, like, like oh, you might not way, have seen it, it say, so, yeah, yeah like... And sometimes it's helpful, like, if a parent or grandparent or, you know, carer in any form has turned their back and a kid's doing something, you'd like to hope that somebody else would be like, oh, sorry, just maybe don't do that, like, because you can't have eyes everywhere all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is really, a really bizarre... It was very odd. ...line for it to take. But anyways... ...your favourite exhibition. Shall I I go to my favourite one, or did you want to do one of yours? I think I kind of... Well, I haven't thought about it, but I I only have, like, kind of one. Go for it. So, I mean, I've done some speaking, so. Okay, right. I have a handout here. Oh. I'd just like to give some context. I did like an interview the other week and I had to uh, talk about an exhibition that I thought would be good at the place I was interviewing at. Mm-hmm. And it I would say coincidentally is kind of my favourite exhibition or like I slightly curated it. Okay. So it's kind of almost like what you were saying. It's kind of like my favourite exhibition and then a couple of little other artworks from other things. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you were saying. Maybe not quite what you were saying. I guess you had your favourite exhibition and then a couple of other exhibitions. Yeah. Also relevant. So, and this is why it's going to be very similar because I would say my favourite exhibitions are also art slash science. And uh, it's annoying because I'm sure I've had I've been to loads of these exhibitions. Well, not loads, but I'm sure there's more than I can you know think of off the yeah. top of my head sort of thing but the one the main one that I always think of is it's called future knowledge I think I've almost definitely mentioned it on the podcast before so apologies if I'm repeating myself but it's called future knowledge and I went to it in 2018 in modern art Oxford mm-hmm. um, which is a nice a nice gallery space because it's completely free Woo You don't have to pay 18 pounds to go in but I think it's probably a lot smaller um, which is why I was saying about the London things because even in other cities like Oxford you know big city got a lot of art going on but like even the main art galleries are still fairly small I would say compared Mm. to like the London ones but anyway so again very similarly to what you were just talking about it was like a sort of climate crisis focused sort of exhibition Um, I'm not quite sure the exact summary or like aim of the exhibition I think it was quite broadly sort of we're looking at creatives who are responding to climate change Mm -hmm. sort of thing whether that be in a really practical like here's some solutions way or whether that just be in a more I don't know speculative way I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. so oh a handout hand out. hang on I can actually I think I have two copies of this so I can give you one <gasps> this is I, I I didn't come this prepared for the podcast I just had these left over thank you um so this is gonna be a lot of paper busting in the background apologies so the picture on the first one Mm -hmm. sorry on that one that's there's a piece called air pollution i think it's called air pollution toile i don't know how you pronounce that word it's spelled t-o-i-l-e for the listener um by lucy kimball and essentially that's wallpaper that when you first put it up like the design is kind of black and white Mm -hmm. and then as it's exposed to like air pollution it kind of rusts well it isn't rust but like the picture that i've got is kind of the same design but it's kind of been colored in i suppose it's yeah. kind of like a and in like a brownie rusty sort of color so it kind of it's like making very like a visual yeah. the air pollution sort of thing um and it kind of i don't know like it, the exhibition kind of continued in that theme of like it i wouldn't say like it's a it's not directly um this feels so formal now i've got handouts it I does distracted myself. Yeah, it's not directly being like, this is a problem and this is how we can solve it, but it's just like, here's how we can kind of think about it differently or start to like visualise it. And I think maybe the reason that I liked this exhibition so much was because it was the first one of these type of exhibitions that I'd been to maybe. Yeah. I don't know that this particular exhibition was necessarily the best of the best, but because for me, it was the first one where I'd been to where I was like, oh, there's this really cool intersection of like art and science and the climate crisis particularly because that feels like a really obviously pressing issue yeah and sometimes it's very easy to be like what's the point in me just doing my little art practice like that's not contributing and it's kind of it really flags this like oh no you can think about these things through whatever you do yeah and kind of you don't have to be at the cutting edge of science to be making a difference I don't think like it's only natural that people I don't hmm, how do I phrase this like not everyone is going to be working on how to solve the climate crisis like we are in we are a whole human population everyone is going to be doing different things but you can still bear in mind mm. the the issues that that brings in your own day-to-day life mm. and your own practice and your own work that's sometimes and that's could, okay. yeah i feel like maybe that was a slight moment in my life work because in 2018 i just i was on my foundation so like i'd just done my u turn from science to art mm. so i imagine there was some I probably still are I don't know some like undercurrents in my brain of like okay, so science has got quite a clear point to it, yeah, <laughs> and art uh, maybe doesn't so much, um so it's nice to have yeah, like I said that intersection so I've also there was also a piece by Tanya Kovats who I again might have spoken about before I love all of her work again, I love Tanya it's very like r t science-y. and this particular piece she's got three big metal bowls that have been cut into the shape of the three oceans so atlantic indian pacific i think it is Oh, i like that and she's got she put like a salt solution in it that as it evaporated it left like tide lines and i don't know the ins and outs of this but it's it's kind of relevant sorry it's responding to gaia theory so i couldn't i'd love to know more about exactly how she got from gaia theory to this piece because gaia theory is very much like the earth is one self-regulating entity yeah um whereas it seems weird to me that it's in three different things and i don't know yeah i wouldn't look at this piece and think gaia theory yeah but i, I know you mean. from reading about it that it came from it interesting um, it's annoying with this exhibition because it was in 2018 they've archived all the information so i can't find any of it online so i'm just trying to go off like <laughs> Got my own pictures and my own memories of it which is a bit frustrating but maybe one day I could, like, email them and be like, hi, can I... Can, s- have some can information. I see some information <laughs> So, yes. That was another one. And then oh and then oh, oh and then oh this be... it's the return <laughs> it's oh. it the return so this is where i first found rachel sussman Woo, um, rachel yeah. sussman podcast <laughs> well, honestly i think we should rebrand so the, yeah the piece was well we've we've talked about this so many times but just another brief recap <laughs> the piece is called the oldest living things in the world and as the name suggests she went on, she did this project where she went around and she photographed a lot of old living things in the world isn't yeah. it? yeah um, and this particular exhibition she'd kind of documented them on the wall in like a sort of timeline mm. <clears throat> that she'd annotated with like not just human history but sort of all history like it started with you know the big bang and then it was like atoms formed here and then you get to the like oh i love that. you know the mayan calendar starts is I how you say it mayan 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 calendar mm one of those words I see written and didn't really know that I didn't know how to say it until I said it and I was like Oh no. Anyway. I've always said mine but I very much could be wrong anyway yeah things like that which again a really interesting way of presenting it because I know Izzy and I we both have the book mm. and I quite like the book I think that's a nice way of presenting it and I like the concept of the timeline I don't know that I like like looking at these pictures it's quite chaotic Mm. Like, the pictures are no longer the main focus, Mm. which I think, again, interesting, because it's like, the pictures are the more, like, quote-unquote, art bit of it, like, that's the aesthetic, like, oh, look at these lovely photos, and then the concept is more, or the science is more the timeline, and the timeline, for one, is not scientifically accurate, because it's not spaced, right, but it is an art exhibition, so I can't really get annoyed about that. I don't know, I just think, looking back on it now that I've seen the book, the timeline feels a bit, almost like... I don't know i feel really savage being like it feels a bit clumsy but like there's something about the timeline that looking at these little pictures that i've got here i'm not vibing with as much i just think the pictures are so lovely that they deserve to be kind of printed out big and like hung as prints rather than sort of stuck in a quite you know on a wall anyway no i can understand that because i also think that like i guess that goes to show how important the presentation of your work is like how you choose to present your work or curate your work because it does change how it's how it's It's kind of taken on i guess by other people because i guess something about the book that i always really liked is that you know you're sitting with like this book in your hands admittedly it's quite a big book but like (laughs) you're just kind of sitting with it like in your hands or on your lap or something and like you're reading about like this organism is like five thousand years old Mm. and it's just it's like this immense like history in your hands like it's really kind of a i felt it i felt it was kind of almost like an emotional experience like it was quite impressive whereas i guess by like expanding it and putting it on a timeline i could be wrong but like i don't know if that would have the opposite effect of like it's kind of stretched out and then you kind of look at it and you're like oh all those organisms are kind of like in the middle there yeah like i don't i think it i'm imagining that for me anyway it would have taken away some of that like almost, like, all that comes with reading the book of being, like, oh, my goodness, like, this is a photo of a tree that's 5,000 years. What the hell? Yeah, that's Whereas, yeah, when you kind of just see it stuck on a wall, like, grouped with all these other ones, I think it takes away some of that, like, hard-hitting, like, deep time. Yeah. Oh, my God, sort of feeling to it. Because you're like, oh, yeah, like, the organisms are just kind of all in that one patch there stuck (laughs) on the wall. Like, it doesn't... Almost like it desensitises you to how impressive it is. Yeah, and I think like we were saying, the London shows, I'm being really generic here, but (laughs) like the kind of big London spaces, I think this would have been really well, really, Yeah, if you could really stretch it out. Yeah, like if you could have a whole room with it all around the wall, and like I'm imagining like dark lighting with like spotlights kind of Mm. on the pictures or something, just a bit more sort of, just a bit more weight to them, like you're saying, literally when you're reading a book, it's a heavy book. (laughs) But like the, uh, the way yeah i mean i don't know how well it's going to translate over the podcast because we are looking at an image of it that i think from the image it i don't know yeah there's something just about that tiny little image that i on that that just irks me a bit i'm aware i'm like this is my favorite exhibition and then i've kind of criticized, criticized everything i've taken about i think that's but, um, good though to think critically about why you like what you like and why you yeah don't like what you don't like yeah yeah because i think as i'm talking i am realizing this was the first exhibition that i found that mm-hmm. I, yeah of that ilk so that's why it's so like monumental in my mind I guess that ties back to what we was saying at the beginning about the fact that like it's really hard to remember exhibitions you don't like because they don't have an impact on you mm. and the ones you love are the ones who had the biggest impact mm-hmm. you go if this is the first exhibition you went to where you walked in and you were like this this is what I want like mm. obviously that's gonna stick out in your mind like yeah. I think that's really normal yeah so there we go that was the first time i discovered Rachel Sussman and even if the i mean the exhibition itself clearly did have a good impact on me because i bought the book and everything but looking back i think i prefer the book to maybe the exhibition Mm. but i like the concept of the timeline um so then the last piece that i I spoke about in my little presentation was Mm -hmm. again really bad pictures for me here this is the problem of having really hard to find you know kind of slightly older exhibitions but there's a sculpture in some woods that's vaguely supposed to be some lungs um and again oh. i would say the actual piece probably not my favorite huh? <laughs> i don't know why this has become a theme here but i really like the process of it so the 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 lung sculpture is made out of these kind of um i would say like beige bricks which yeah. so that's fair. maybe they're not quite beige but i would I mean, say it's... gray or white but yeah i think that's just the bad photo oh. quality but yeah but the bricks are made out of mycelium Ooh. which is of, which is like that kind of like root sort of yeah. network um so i think this sculpture came out of a a project and there's an image here which is you can see and the viewers uh, and the listeners cannot uh but there's some people making the bricks and apparently there was a group of local artists and scientists who worked together for many Ooh. weeks leading up to this sculpture and they were just using loads of natural materials to see if they could you know sculpt with them like the artists and the scientists were literally just playing with materials together yeah and obviously you know the artists come with one set of aims like oh this would be good to sculpt with or like oh we could like paint with this or bloody blah, bloody blah, blah, blah yeah and the scientists have another perspective on it um and so then the outcome of it was they realized that you can make bricks out of these if you like compress mm. the mycelium into like little brick molds then you can build with it which is obviously a, more, a far more sort of sustainable material. I don't know quite what the long-lasting... I don't know that you'd want to build a house out of it. I don't know if it kind of starts mm. to... I imagine things would start to grow over it or something. I don't know. Yeah. But again, it's just that kind of... The intersection of art and science. It's nice. underpinning this whole episode so far. And then I have two honourable mention, mentions. Okay. So the first one, this is a great story time. So this, so this we So we're branching off now. There's two different exhibitions that i would say that first exhibition was the first one like i keep saying that i found and then these two next ones one of them was in london it was called eco visionaries and it was at the ra in i don't know a few years ago like 2019 2020 and this particular piece is really difficult to describe succinctly okay so there's going to be a bit of a story time here have Mm -hmm. i told you about this one before it's the jellyfish one i don't know either way I- i'm here for a story time either way i might not have said it on the podcast so yeah story time okay let me paint the scene this will take a minute i'm so sorry so it was like the at the end of the this whole exhibition obviously there's been loads of similar the eco visionaries exhibition was like art science and climate change mm-hmm. um so we went through that whole thing and then you get to the end and just before you go out there's like this kind of people were queuing to go into this like room and there's a little timer as you're queuing that was like seven minutes and you know after every seven minutes a group came out and a new group went in so you're like okay this is a seven minute experience (laughs) (laughs) real quick um so yeah me and i think i was with beth we queued we went in maybe was there as well that's completely irrelevant i just didn't (laughs) want to sideline anyone um yeah so we went in and you sit down and you're kind of you're there's like a small group of like 10 of you and you're like facing this kind of circular mirror in (laughs) front of you and you all put some headphones on i think and this voice starts to like talk to you and it's like hello like welcome to whatever it's called and you can all see each other in the mirror and it's kind of it's kind of doing quite a friendly introduction of like let's all get to know each other like point at the youngest person in the group and you kind of point at the young and you point at the oldest person and it's just a bit of a kind of okay like it's obviously a little bit awkward to be like let's point at the oldest person in the room but you know that's yeah it was just that's how it starts and then it's like shut your eyes and imagine the earth like five years in the future, 10 years in the future, 50 years in the future. And then when you open your eyes again, the lighting has like dimmed a bit mm. and the mirror in front of you, the lighting's changed and you realise it was like a sort of, is it called a two-way mirror? Oh. And so you can see it wasn't, it's not a mirror, it's like a circular tank and there's jellyfish like slowly blobbling round <laughs> in front of you and there's like a slow like mesmerising like circular motion and you're like, huh. And because the lighting's shifted, the tone shifts a little bit. Like, the guy, like, the voiceover suddenly kind of, he gets a bit more serious. And he starts saying about how, like, you know, in 50 years' time, obviously, there's this whole theme of the climate crisis. And so, you know, things aren't looking great, (laughs) finger guns. And how jellyfish will thrive in the warming sea temperatures. Uh So as everything else is kind of struggling and failing, jellyfish will be like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they'll be abundant because
1: um, that's already happening slightly yeah. isn't
0: it? I mean we've looked yeah Falmouth is full of jellyfish yeah. like it's I don't obviously know how much that's changed but I don't remember there being so many jellyfish if I ever came to call when I was younger I don't know but yeah so so then we you know he talks for a bit about jellyfish and then like as he t- as he talks the tone gets more and more like ominous and suddenly it like shifts so it's it's like the jellyfish are watching you and suddenly it's not just like this guy talking about jellyfish it's like the jellyfish being like, look at the humans. And suddenly we're like, oh, it's got real ominous real quick. And then, oh, so this oh, it gets a bit confusing. I need to make sure I remember it right. Then I think the lighting shifts again. Mm. And you realise it's not just a two-way mirror. It's like a there's another room on the other side of the tank with another group of humans in it. And you can't see each other. You can see them. They can't see you. Okay, And... This, this sorry it's so weird like so that was still with the voiceover of the jellyfish looking at humans suddenly uh-huh. we are also looking at humans with the jellyfish like it, you've really been taken like out of your own body and you're looking Ooh. at these other humans and the other humans the other side all kind of wave and then leave and then a new group come in and you realize that it, this You're not just in there for seven minutes. You're in there for 14 minutes and it's the new group has come in and you watch them doing exactly what you just did. So you watch them kind of sit there a bit nervously. They can't see you. They don't know they're being watched and they sit there a bit nervously and they point at the youngest person in the group and they point at the oldest person in the group. But now you've got this like voiceover and the voiceover goes in this really weird, ominous way, like see as they point at who will die first. You know, like it's suddenly like it's you've been taken really out of your own experience in a weird way. And then, yeah, like it carries on. I don't know, like, he probably keeps talking about jellyfish. I can't really remember what the filler bit is. And then at the end, the voiceover tells you to wave and you wave and you leave and you know that you're being watched just as you were just watching them. And like you come out and you're like, what was that? Like, it was so, so clever how it kind of really, it's this whole metaphor, I suppose, for, the jellyfish are just blobbling away in the middle throughout this whole thing and the human kind of generations are like coming and going in the same like cyclical way and it's so like inevitable like you don't know that you're entering into this. That's it's like insane. a metaphor for life. It was just honestly blew my tiny mind and like describing it is always so difficult because obviously it's really just something that needs to be experienced. That but sounds honestly <laughs> insane. Wild. And yeah, that was definitely one of them. I want that to experience. Really, that that's stuck with me. absolutely amazing. Yeah. So what what was that called? So mm, it was, was called Win Win. It's got some little arrows in the middle. It's like Win Arrow Win, which I don't know if that's a visual representation of Windows and th- I don't know what's going on there. Fair enough. And it's by I think I got a bit confused. I also don't know how you pronounce this. Rimini Protocol. Which I think might be a name for a collective because there's like then there's a list of three people. Oh, so okay. I don't quite know if that's just the name that they worked under or if that I don't quite know, but yes, that was what was on the exhibition information. So that was that one. That is like I feel like I've just been taken through an experience. Well, even I'm though glad I, I could there. somehow translate some of that for you because it was wild and blew my mind in a way that no other artwork I don't think has ever done. That's genuinely insane. Mm. I'm so impressed by that. Yeah. And then, sorry, I'm aware we are running out of time, very briefly, the last one that I have told you about before, is that I recently went to Radical Landscapes at Tate Liverpool and they had a piece um, called Back to the Fields by Ruth Ewan. Um, And essentially, she took uh, an old, I think it was like a French Republican calendar, which has, it was like a plant, no, it wasn't just plants, it was like an object. For every day of the year but a lot of them are plants mm. um, and i think the idea was like on this day we harvest this and on this day we harvest this very broadly speaking mm-hmm. obviously it's not like a plant per day but it was just a fun kind of interactive they had all the plants and all the objects out on display it was mainly plants like i said there were some animals and then there were some like days in winter would just be like spade <laughs> shovel and you'd be like oh okay i guess Sick. That's, the, <laughs> that's the day for like fixing your spade in the middle of winter (laughs) and then they had a kind of printout with it all on and so again that's one of those ones where you can really access it on any level because you can go around like me and jasmine went around just finding our birthdays and being like oh you're a carrot i'm a water chestnut (laughs) but then also when you think about it it's a really good way of i mean it's got that kind of taxonomic display that we like where it's Mm. got everything laid out very neatly with labels and it just yeah it's just a nice kind of visualization of natural cycles i suppose there's so much you can read into it yeah we probably don't have time to go into right now but that was kind of yes my my little list of honorable mentions so future knowledge and then two little extra add-ons yeah i really like those it's kind of a common theme isn't it like the science the art yeah sort of crossover yes if anyone listening is is also interested in that kind of field then this is your lucky day if anyone is not this is your own lucky. <laughs> <movie. laughs> and well done for listening Savage. this much. <laughs> Sucks to be you. But I'm aware that we haven't technically got to your favourite exhibition yet. We can do that now. Yes. It's not a sciencey art one. Oh wow. I know. I've been lied to, I know. The rug's been pulled from under to me. <laughs> God. the Last minute I'd be like, hat, psych. <laughs> you thought <laughs> you thought wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's um So it was i went just before christmas last year so
1: this is oh, quite, know, a, this recent, yeah, 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 quite a recent yeah quite
0: recent exhibition mm. um and it was at the vna and mm-hmm. in seen london, london one. um i have to say the V&A does really well for exhibitions because mm. i've been to a couple including like i think that was my second because obviously obviously the vna has like its usual collections and then it has exhibitions that obviously change out kind of in different rooms and that and then they usually have like their one big one that obviously you have to pay to get into Hmm. i think the one big one i've been to a couple and they're always incredible because i think the first one i went to was actually alexander mcqueen's savage beauty Uh um which i mean yeah like honorable mention there that was insane (laughs) yeah Um, i can imagine yeah absolutely incredible and i think actually they did a very good job of like doing justice to his artistic vision Mm. i think obviously a lot of alexander mcqueen designs are very like they're very creative it's not just the latest fashion trend like they're pieces of art and it, i remember thinking that like they did a good job of each room was like curated to highlight that vision like i think there was one that was i really could be making that i feel like i'm making this up actually i'm not going to give that example because i think i've just made that up but like for example i think one of them was um like vaguely water themed and the room would be curated in a way that really kind of gave you mm. that like feel to it i think the V&A are excellent for exhibitions mm. they do a really good job mm-hmm. um so obviously my favorite exhibition was at the v and it was one of the paid ones um and it was actually the alice in wonderland mm. exhibition so i think it was called was it called alice alice in wonderland curiouser and curiouser or something hmm sure I don't know. It ha- it was an Alice in Wonderland exhibition, like yep. that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um But that was incredible. Um and I think the reason I liked it so much is because it was obviously I love Alice in Wonderland anyway, it was my favorite my favourite book when I was a kid, both of them. And I remember my grandma used to read me like the poetry from Alice in Wonderland when I was young as well. Um I just really, really liked them. I've always thought they were really cool. So I enjoy the exhibition because it was something I knew I loved. Mm-hmm actually i think it was a very successful exhibition in the way they curated it and it really kind of took you on quite a journey which i liked i liked that it wasn't just here's the information take what you want from it like Mm -hmm. they really kind of painted a picture with each room and like you sort of almost like felt time move on through each room Oh, stunning um which was really lovely actually like it was a very nice way to go through an exhibition Mm. um so you kind of started with like well to start with like you kind, not you have to like go almost like into the floor to get into it mm. it's like the floor is obviously flat in the vna and then to get into these big exhibitions you go down like a massive ramp that has like the decoration i don't know it's really cool mm. so even that was like a nice start to be yeah. like oh like i kind of feel like i'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit like, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that was cool but I think I could be remembering wrong, but I think it starts off as like information about the time that Alice in Wonderland was written, Mm -hmm. um, which was obviously the Victorian era. And it kind of sets the scene by talking about like what the Victorian era was like. Obviously, the Victorian era was very big on natural history and discovery. There was a lot of I'm going to go to that country and take that thing. Um, um, yes. Which, you know, maybe would be not great. <laughs> <laughs> not ideal, no. Um, and a lot of it was obviously, I'm going to go to another country, I'm going to see that weird animal, I'm going to kill it, and I'm going to take it. Yeah. Um, that specifically. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there was a lot of, like, yeah, new discoveries, like adventure, like they were really big on natural history and, like, documentation. Mm, um, see this is up your street. Like, it was a very interesting kind of vibe. And, like, the way they had curated the room was just stunning it kind of had like dimmed lighting with spotlight and the walls were painted like a dark purple um, and then another room was like a dark green and like it had like curiosity cabinets and like there was one room in particular that had this massive like i don't really know how to describe it it was it was a cabinet but it wasn't a traditional cabinet like you need to stop thinking about like a traditional square rectangular cabinet sort of thing um but it basically stretched from like the floor to the ceiling oh wow and it was yeah kind of s- almost like hip height maybe slightly lower so you sort of almost had this feeling of like peering down into a little bit and it had like i think it had like a big like globe in it and like just weird stuff like i don't know if maybe there was i could be imagining this but like maybe there's dodo or something or like yeah. what are they, are they called like wayfinders like the you know the things they use to navigate um, One of those. Um, I feel like I know vaguely what you mean, but I don't yeah, know what they're called. It had like lots of almost like, vintage style things mm. in this like really cool cabinet because the cabinet kind of like almost like came out from the wall into the middle of the room mm. and then was like a circle so you could kind of like walk around it, mm. which was quite oh, nice. That's so um, cool. And yeah, it was all, at least if I remember correctly, I think it was all like wooden, obviously wooden glass. Mm. Um, But, like, you could see it was wood. Like, it wasn't, like, painted and finished wood. It was, like, raw wood. Oh, wow. um, Or, like, mahogany or something. Like, a nice dark kind of stained wood. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it just had loads of, like, almost, like, knick-knacky bits. And, like, it really, like, painted a scene, you know. It was beautiful. Um, Yeah. And I kind of started with that. And then it went on to, like, you know, sort of information about the writer and kind of his life. And then it sort of slowly you start to see, like, oh. Maybe this is where things kind of happen because it introduced, like, this young girl who fit the description of Alice. Oh, cool. And then you kind of see that sort of happen and then it kind of told you about, like, the illustrations and how that happened and it had, like... I have to say, it was really interesting because a lot of the stuff in the exhibitions was actually from private collections. Mm. So they'd obviously put an immense amount of work into putting this together. Mm. But, I mean, they had, like... Original like etching plates for the prints of the books. Oh my gosh! And it had, I think they had a book that like is no longer in circulation because there were mistakes on it to do with the printing. um I don't know if maybe like they reworked one of the prints in it and then reprinted it, and that's now the version that's used. But they had the most incredible things. They had like letters, like his notebooks. Really impressive. Mm. So kind of all of that, and then you get onto the actual Alice in Wonderland books and kind of you know you sort of see the success build um all of that and then obviously the sequel and it kind of evolves and then once you go through like all this information type thing which i always think is difficult to make interesting the information parts of the exhibitions but mm. they did it incredibly like it was so engaging i think that's the longest i'd spent in an exhibition mm. was that section and like honestly i think i was with my partner and we went around we read like literally every piece <laughs> of like you know, they have, like, ah oh, this piece of artwork by this person. Like, they have a little bit of information about it. We read, like, every single, like, caption. Oh, wow. um, it was just great. And then once you get through that, then you got on to the, like, creative stuff. Oh, gosh. And, like, it was just so cool. Like, it had installations. It had the light, the sound. It took you through all the movies. Oh, my. Um, Like, all the different designs. And then it kind of went on to more um like the different interpretations of it so like the disney interpretation um like the film the johnny depp version and also i don't know why i didn't know this for someone who loves both art and alice in wonderland mm. but i didn't know that salvador dali did work on alice in wonderland oh, I so i think he that. did he i don't know if he, disney something happened where like he was going to be the artist for one of the alice in wonderland films i mm. think and then they decided that his work was a bit too weird, which, like, <laughs> it's Salvador Dali, let's not get ourselves here. Like, it was always going to happen. Um, or something like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you, it had, like, his work there. And I just re- I was just stood there and I was like, I'm looking at Salva- Salvador Dali's artwork in front of I th- What? Wow. <laughs> it was just insane. That's amazing. Um, and, yeah, then it kind of evolved a bit more and it went into, like, fashion modern-day fashion design that's taken inspiration from Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. comic books um, and like the satirical element in like uh, newspapers and that sort of stuff and it just kept going and going and like evolving and moving on through time and it was just incredible like there was even like a VR experience Mm. um, which we didn't actually do but the picture of the room was insane like the whole room was like a green screen and it had these, like, huge, like, plants coming down from the ceiling. Mm. But, like, not pl- actual plants. They were, like, big plastic, like, flowers and, like, oh blades of grass. It was just so bizarre. But, like, the whole thing was such an experience. I think that has got to be my favourite expression. I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that was incredible. I feel like I've been, and just for your right explanation. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, and I don't know if this is going to, um, like, almost undermine it. But, like, it sounds like the um, Alice in Wonderland equivalent of, like, the Harry Potter studios. (laughs) Honestly, like, it may well be. Like, it really walks you through, like, every part of its creation. Yeah. And, like, just how comprehensive it is. Like, the amount of different, like you said, like, it went through the author's, like, life and the context. And then it goes through the books and the films and the fashion. And it's just, like, crikey. Yeah. It was (laughs) The amount of work that's gone into that. That sounds amazing and I really want to see that cabinet. When we were looking for cabinets, we should have set our hopes a lot higher. <laughs> we want a cabinet from the VNA. <laughs> from the V and A, from like pure mahogany that goes like to the <laughs> ceiling and like out into the room. Do you have any well, not right now maybe, but do, do you have any pictures of this cabinet? I do, yes. I would like to see the cabinet. Excellent. I'm trying to think of best way for, obviously we've spoken about quite a few specific artworks and exhibitions, yeah. so it'd be nice if we can get them on the Instagram so people have the option of seeing what we've been speaking about. Yes. Trying to think of the best way. I guess when we do the posts we can just do a multiple. Yeah, maybe just be like, you know, slides one and two of this, and slides yeah. three and four of that. Yeah, if that's not going to be like really difficult for you to do. No, I think that should be fine. I can, I can curate it. Nice. And um, nice. we could probably chuck like. Extra pictures on the story or something yeah we have a highlight but. yeah a little real. oh that'd be cute. cute okay well nice i've i was not expecting it would take us so long to like i thought this would be a shorter episode yeah <laughs> i almost feel like we need a part two that we can actually like unpick what we've spoken about like i yeah. feel like this episode's been very descriptive which has been hopefully great yeah. but yeah i feel like we need to actually be like like, why was that exhibition so... Especially the Alice in Wonderland, because we've spent so long on, like, art and science. And then I feel like there's so much to... Like, the Alice in Wonderland one is, like, rich with things we can unpack. <laughs> but um, I'm aware this is getting on a bit now. <laughs> <normally>. <laughs> but... I mean, I think it's quite nice. Like, I think we do a lot of episodes that are very, like, why? And why? why? Why are we here? So hopefully this episode has been a bit a bit different. I guess it's mm. hopefully come across as quite, like, a visually stimulating one well, yeah. even though there's no visuals yeah hopefully we've done a good job of painting a picture yeah this is like an audiobook it's an audio description yeah there's been storytelling maybe we next episode we just read Alice in Wonderland oh little audiobook break <laughs> audible needs to hire us yes well there we go that's the new direction <laughs> of the podcast um hopefully oh we are we okay to yeah I, I think, think so like? I do feel bad I feel like Alice in Wonderland did not get the attention it deserved I mean, there wasn't really much more to say, to be honest. I think, like I said, the reason it was successful was because it was just such a like immense retelling of like the whole history. Yeah, um, it's again that London thing of just like you can just go so all in and yeah. so uh, commitment level high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can commit so high, so much to every single aspect of a world yeah. or of a of a topic of an issue of whatever it is that Do you're know, looking. I at. think we belong in London. That's what we should be doing. Oh, no, I, Do I don't. I know, but just, I think, I'm thinking about to, like, for example, our degree show, and, like, our commitment level was high for our degree show. I think we'd excel in London. Oh, no. But, like, give us all the funds and we will we will blow your tiny minds. I oh, know, this is a, this is an existential crisis waiting to happen for me. I've always identified as a non-London person. But think of the opportunity to oh, be no. fair nice, no, so much. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see where we are next week for this recording. <laughs> we'll be in London. <laughs> we'll be ready, <laughs> just like that. Drop of a hat. Ooh just like that wow that's a very Alice in Wonderland rhyme and on that note (laughs) on that note goodbye no that's very abrupt I'm trying to think how do cowboys say goodbye just as a callback to the start of the episode what's the opposite of howdy uh I actually don't know bidey (laughs) bidey (laughs) bidey my stomach did a weird little girl at that point um okay right sorry yes shall we leave yes cool you'll you'll hear from us soon (laughs) Bye bye. <laughs> oh god. <laughs>